This is the Australian Hunting Podcast, hunting, shooting and fishing radio on the AHP Digital Radio Network. Visit us at australianhuntingpodcast.com.au. Sit back, relax and enjoy. Here's the host of the show, Jason Selms. Welcome back to AHP. Thanks for joining me. Of course, as you know, if you want to find out more about the show, australianhuntingpodcast.com.au. You can download us on iTunes or you can listen to us on the website. Of course, you can listen to the show by going to the website or downloading the show on iTunes. Now, today it's been few and far between, but we're back with the Everyday Hunter series. And today I'm talking with Graham Evans. Now, Graham has two passions. Uh, spearfishing, I know he's one of them, and he obviously he's hunting and he's shooting, but he loves his spearfishing, and he also loves connect- collecting snakes. Man, snakes freak me out. Every time I see a picture on his Facebook, I just go, not, <laughs> not a big fan of snakes at all. And especially in WA, I've wanted to go spearfishing for quite some time and give it a try, but I just freak out about going in the ocean. Like, yeah, I'll go to the beach. I'll go swimming, no problem, but anything to do where I can't see, you know, 20 meters in front of me, I just sort of, I don't freak out, but I'm like, ooh, is there a shark over there? Sharks freak me out too, and especially in WA, because as you know, it's rare, but we have seen a few great white attacks in WA, and I love watching Shark Week, that's the whole interesting thing, I love shark movies, I love the shark, but I tell you what, if I was... uh in the water in WA and I saw a great white shark. Um, abs- I think I'd be literally Jesus. I'd be wouldn't be walking on water. I'd be running on water. Um, that'd be like my worst nightmare. Just sort of you know, oh, there's a fish. Okay, you know, spear that fish. Then all of a sudden, out of the blue, just coming straight at me is this huge great white. Oh, it sends shivers down my back just thinking about it. So I hope you guys enjoy the show. As I said, it's been a few and far between the Everyday Hunter series, but we do have a few more uh, coming up, obviously, in the future. If you want to be part of that, send me an email, australianhuntingpodcast at gmail.com, or click on the contact icon on the website if you want to be part of the show in the Everyday Hunter series, where we talk to shooters just like me that love shooting, hunting, and fishing activities. So without further ado, let's get into my interview, The Everyday Hunter with Graham Evans. Hi, this is Russell Mark, Olympic gold medalist. You're listening to the Australian Hunting Podcast. All right, Graham, welcome to the Australian Hunting Podcast. Thanks for joining me. I do appreciate your time and being able to join me today to have a chat. There you go, mate. Very good. Good, mate. Uh, tell us about yourself, I guess. Uh, what, do, what do you enjoy? Um, you know, where, where'd you grow up? Uh, just tell us a bit about who Graham Evans is. Oh, mate. Um, shooter, fisherman, diver, spear fisherman. Yeah, grew up in Western Australia. Still live in Western Australia on the south coast. Lovely bit of the world. What do you so, mate, did you have family, you know, that got involved in shooting as well? Was it your dad? Was it brothers, you know, sisters? How did you get involved in it? Or you came from a family that didn't hunt or shoot? No, I did actually. I came from a family that hunted and shot. Um, mum and dad, mum and dad, um, after they, they got married and, they moved out to Catanning and lived in Catanning and lived on a farm. And they got Dad got into it. He bought his he bought his rifles and Mum joined in with Dad. And they don't get out. They want to get out with me at some point again. But I've inherited a lot of Dad's stuff now, so it's been a lot of fun. Well, you can't really complain if they're uh, you know you're inheriting all his stuff, right? <laughs> no, you can't. I got a beautiful <laughs> little got a beautiful rifle out of it. So yeah, I want to find out. I mean, so. What were you into when you were growing up? When did you first get into it? Like, was it when you were an adult or when you were younger? What sort of age did you get into it? Probably, I took up archery. Mum and Dad encouraged me to do something, and I took up archery. Well, I was probably eight or ten, I think. Uh, that was re- that was a lot of fun. Spent a lot of time doing that. Got quite proficient with a with a bow. And then we moved from Mandra to where I live now. We sort of met a few people and they had farms and we went out there and did a little bit of shooting. So I think it was about 12 when I got into the shooting side of it and then continued on from there. Yeah, what about brothers, sisters, they get into it or anything like that or not really? Or No, not really. I was arguing with my sister last night about firearms laws. <laughs> tell, tell me, what was it about? Let's always find this stuff interesting, especially amongst uh, family members. My parents live in Queensland, and we always get into debates, you know, about um, you know politics and stuff like that when they, whenever I'm there or they're down here, one or the other. Well, 
it was it was about. I mean, I'm very much for bringing concealed carry, bring back semi-automatics. I don't see the reason I can't own a machine gun if I can prove fit and proper for it. Where she says everyone's potentially a mental unstable nutcase, and we should be doing psych evaluations yearly, regardless. You know whether you're fit or proper or not. And I'm just like, nah, because. It's now getting away from your right to have it. And she's like, but you haven't got a right to have it. It's a privilege. I said, no, it's not. And then it just escalated into too big an argument and I walked away from it. Yeah, we've actually had this discussion now. I'm not sure. Again, you know, obviously we contact each other through Facebook and stuff like that. Now, we've, I've discussed this on uh, my show quite regularly, rights versus privileges and stuff like that. I mean, there's been some things. And uh, I did have a chat with her, which we'll talk about on a later show, but I did have a chat with Jeff Jones, the uh, uh, the president of the Sporting Shooters Association, about you know his language in the magazine, the Sporting Shooters magazine, where he sort of says at the time, you know, it, it, yeah, we've got to you know, look after the, you know, the right to the privilege. I said, well, how do you have a right to a privilege? I don't really understand that statement. And he was sort of struggling to sort of you know, answer my question a little bit. I mean, we had a great chat about this issue, but I mean, I find if you're over the age of 18 years of old age and you don't have a criminal record or anything that would exclude you uh, from getting a firearms license, the, the, the state's registries have to, by law, give you that firearms license. There's been many cases where... You know, people have taken the police have say suspended someone's license because apparently they didn't like who they associated with or they didn't like the look of the person and, and they've just been absolutely taken to task at the you know, particular state's tribunal and the police have lost. So I mean, I don't, you know, we don't have a, a, a what would you say a Second Amendment right like the United States do, but I mean under the current system, yeah. You know, and someone said to me recently on a previous show, "Oh, you're just using the word right." To, you know the definition to prove your cause, and I said, "Well, that's interesting because there's only one meaning for the word right. There's no other meaning. So how how am I using it uh, to suit my agenda when the definition is the definition? You know, I I don't really understand it. You know, no, absolutely. And that's what I said to. I mean, I went in, I went to the dictionary and said, "Well, here it is. Here's right. Here's privilege. This is as it is. This is what it says it is." And there was really no answer to it because. At the end of the day, you prove you're over 18, you prove you haven't got a criminal record, it's your right to go and get it. Exactly. And I see a lot of people, no doubt, I'm not sure if you follow my Facebook page, I often have people on my page that get really shirty, <laughs> shirty with me saying, oh, this is ridiculous, it's a privilege. And I said, well, this is why we're not getting our rights back from people that make statements like that, uh, you know, either in the media, outside the media, or on Facebook. And, you know, when I sort of say things about these people, you know, some people get quite upset saying, well, you know, I'm bullying them. I said, how am I bullying them by, you know, addressing their comments on Facebook, which they've made on a public medium? I don't really understand that. Yeah, you're not. You're just someone looking for a right to get offended about something. I know. It's, it's really sort of getting out. So what happened at the end? Did she was it agree to disagree or, <laughs> or she said she still thinks we're, you know. Pretty you... <laughs> much. She just, she, you're never going to win. You're never going to win this battle with her, unfortunately. I mean, you know, unfortunately, it's the... Someone that's got an education in a left-wing university yep. or some education, and they, and I mean, what she studied is mental health, and, you know, I mean, I'm sorry to say that, you know, it's not always right. I mean, not everyone out there is an unstable nutcase. Yeah, and I don't like the idea, too, of leaving it up to, you know, if there was these yearly psych assessments, you know, leaving it up to a bureaucrat to tell me whether, you know, I'm sane enough to be able to own a firearm or not. I just think, you know, that'd be a waste, one, a waste of money, you know, a waste of taxpayer money to try and manage, you know, a system like that. Absolutely, you know. I mean, don't we waste enough money as it already is on registries? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there was an interesting, and I agree with them too, there was an interesting, I'm not sure if you saw that one, and I, I supported that that move that the, the uh, Shooters and Fishers Party put up a... Uh, you know, but before the election about what they were supporting and getting rid of registration for Category A and B firearms. Uh, they wanted, you know, home defence as a genuine reason to own a firearm. I thought, this is great. And there was about, you know, five to, you know, obviously I don't have exact figures, but five to eight percent, you know, of those people. Mate, some people, oh, I'm a shooter and I can't believe you're going this route and this is ridiculous. And, I mean, obviously it had about two and a half thousand likes. So, you know, majority of the people just accepted it and said it was fantastic, whereas... You know, the other people, you know, these, these you know, 5 to 8% of people said, you know, they, they couldn't believe it. You know, you've lost me. It's ridiculous. I can't believe the shooters. I mean, what do they think the Shooters and Fishers Party is? What do they think they're advocating for? Like, you know, I don't understand. Like anything, you're not always going to agree with someone's policy. I mean, look, I understand. I mean, there's some things I said that I'm like, oh, you know, I don't agree with. But 
you know, at the end of the day, we've got to unite and just and keep pushing forward. I mean, if we don't have if we don't have the people representing us in Parliament, we're going to lose our rights faster. Yeah, but how do you? Good one, Graham. Good, good you've actually brought this up because I've been chatting to a lot of different people about this. And I know people say unite together, and I, I do think that's a good thing. But, you know, I've been talking about on my show, again, not sure if you've been listening, but um, you know, talking about FUDs and these people that will sell out our gun rights at the drop of a hat. Now, I've been having a chat with a lot of different people over the last couple, couple of weeks, couple of months even, uh, since this sort of, you know, I was just new to this term and, you know, at least with anti sometimes I think at least I know where, where they stand, you know, they're not really interested in, you know, me having guns at all and at least I, I know that so I, we can you know, at least try to defend against that but when we have these gun owners that, you know, agree with part of the you know, National Firearms Agreement, they love registration, you know, they love the fact that, you know, you can't have a firearm for, you know, self-defence in the home because, you know, we'll all just turn into, you know, domestic violence, you know, um, abusers of our wives or girlfriends or, or our boyfriends, depending on, you know, male or female, depending on what you are. Um, and then, you know, and then people say, well, we've got to accept these people's opinions. But I mean, I think these people's opinions are eventually going to sink us at the end of the day if they don't get on board with pushing for your rights. How long can we defend for, you know, defend, defend, defend what we have? They say, can't we just defend what we have? And I said, well, how long before you break? You can only defend for so long before, you know, and what have we achieved in 20 years of getting our rights back? Not much at all, really, if, if anything in regard or nothing in regards to the NFA. The best, I mean... It's often said the best defence is a good offensive, and it is. If you push, if you push, and create a diversion or push for a right, push for something to get something back, they're going to forget about what they're fighting you for anyway, and they're going to look at that closer. And if we get something back, then you move to the next one, you push for the next thing, and you just keep pushing and pushing and pushing until we get back what we had. What do you think about people that like gun owners that you know some of them on my page, a lot of different pages, you on Facebook fairly regularly too? I see. What do you think about people that say no, 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 we shouldn't be doing that? What do you think about that? Well, I just think they're just sellout. You know, they're just they're just supporting an anti agenda. You know, I mean, when the Adler, I mean, when the whole Adler thing when that fired up, I, I didn't have any intention of buying an Adler, but I got out there. And I wrote those letters, and I will say it was motivated by you and Muzz and saying these guys need to get more active and write them letters, get them out there. You know, I wrote those letters and I said, you know, why can't we have them? This is crap. You know, it's not anything new. It's nothing different to what we've already had. It's just simply taking something off someone because someone's crying about it. And so many people, I said to one of my mates who, got, who bought an Adler, and I don't think he even wrote a letter. And I said to him, you should. And he goes, oh, you know, but someone else would do it. I know. It's difficult. I've been doing this for the better part of, I think it'll be six years in um, March of 2017. Um, you know, and trying to get people to write letters and thinking they can make a difference. And, you know, if they get that letter back that says, you know, gives them the generic response, you know, the ones you get with the generic response, you know, keep writing to them. I think I think when the over here in New South Wales, and I've said this before on the show, when I was dealing with um, Katrina Hodgkinson from the Department of Primary Industries here in New South Wales about shutting down the Game Council, you know, by the end of it, I had her chief of staff, I think his name was Tim, Tim Scott, I think his name was Tim something, and by the end of it, after about 13 messages, I was getting responses from him directly. And I think there was sort of towards the end, it was like... Um, <laughs> You know, I think we've solved everything you've had to say, so this will pretty much be our final correspondence on this issue. So, But people get that letter back and that generic letter, and they sort of give up, don't they? Whereas, you know, I keep telling them, don't give up. I mean, if you get that letter and it's generic, I write back, no, I've got three friends you've just sent the, direct, you know, the generic letter to. Please address my concerns and address my concerns personally. Don't send me the generic letter. And then all of a sudden they start waking up, then go, oh, well, you know, this person's not just going to be sold, you know. Uh, you know, be happy with the you know the generic response. Yeah, so. I didn't even get the, I didn't even get the generic letter back. I was quite disappointed. Yeah, I send them again. Listen, what I do then is I send another letter and I attach my first letter because I've got a file here on one of those little USB sticks that I use. And all I've got to do is once you know their address and their name. Uh, that's like your little template, and then all I do is I just change the date. I change my um, if the you know this the the you know re you know uh, whatever the issue is if it's changed or if it's the same thing you leave it. Uh, write your new letter. Um, another paragraph. Uh, please see my letter from th- two months ago with no response. Regards, Graham. 
You know what I mean? And then like, and then you attach you attach your previous letter with that, and it shows them that well, oh, well Graham's a bit a bit annoyed. He's you know he's not going to be you know screwed around. So I mean, it's a it's a good way to go about it. And then when they do give you that generic response, which is what they'll do. Go for the third time again. You attach your, your first and second letters with your third one, saying, "Well, no," and you, you address their concerns that they've tried to address with you in their generic letter. But you know, so that's what I keep doing, mate. Got to, you know, they're, they're on taxpayer money. They're, yeah, you know, we're paying their tax money, so and their, their wages. So I mean, at the end of the day, you know, they'll respond to us. Yeah, absolutely. But enough of me talking, mate. This is about you, anyway. <laughs> mate, tell us about hunting. What can you hunt over in WA? Is it uh, exciting over there? I know you've got, uh, obviously, what, they've got rabbits over there. I know they've got some camels over there because uh, Jason from Hunt, Catch, Cook, I speak to him fairly regularly, and you know he tells me what's happening in WA. So tell us what's going on over there. Pigs. I mean, look, we get pigs. Pigs, foxes, cats, rabbits. It is some deer. I mean, unfortunately, we don't have the deer... We don't have the deer populations of the east, and what we do get is just fallow and reds. And fallow is probably the more common, and I was lucky enough to get a nice stag at one point, an escapee. Obviously, roos and cats. Cats are where I am are quite rare. A mate got one the other week, and it was an absolute monster. It was beautiful. Pretty much it for them. What do you? What's your favourite? What's your number one go-to? That's a hard one. That's between. It's really between pigs and foxes. Yeah, I don't mind the. I used to. I still, I think, love me bird hunting. I think, but I do love foxes. That's where I first started. Obviously, being New South Wales, you can't really hunt ducks. Um, but you know, foxes over a game like one of those electronic game callers, like a Fox Pro or one of those types or similar, mate, you can't go wrong. It's just the, some of the best hunting, especially when they're you know charging in it. You know, I've, I've had times, different times of the year there. I've got a shotgun, for an example. My, my friend came with a shotgun. We've both got shotguns, and they just sit out there at 100 metres, and I'm like, ah, oh, just come in just a little bit more, another 50 or 60 metres. And then other time, other and then you don't, don't have your rifle, and then other times you might have, you know, a rifle and a shotgun, and they're just, I've had them where they're just, they're at full stick, like you, you can't get them running in fast, and I'm like, oi, 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 you got to whistle back at them and make them pull up, and they're like, oh, they're like, oh, what's going on here, and then boom, with the shotgun most of the time if they're coming in that quick, but if you've got another another person there with the uh, rifle and they sit out there, because you know, sometimes I get them coming into about 100 metres and then they just decide to sit down and have a look around, what's going on, you know, just this doesn't seem right, what's going on, and then normally then you can get them with the rifle. But um, what what's happening? What's happening in WA? Good fishing over there in WA? Uh, mate, yeah, particularly where I live, the fishing's, the fishing's just awesome. Where are you at, Graham? Anyway, what area? Um, I'm down on the south coast, so around from- Albany. Oh yeah, okay, yep. Um, Always get mate, a bit freaked like, out over there with the, uh, especially with spearfishing the young guys. I mean, I, I'm, I'm not a big fan, not a big fan of sharks, especially great whites over there. So, <laughs> I love, mate, look, I mean, sharks. I've got, I've got heaps of footage of sharks, like when I've been diving and stuff like that, spearfishing, and we actually have a video from when we we did a trip up north to the Abrolhos, and we were burling, we were burling for mackerel. And I look down, and there's six sharks swimming through the burley trail around us. And unfortunately, the camera didn't film it, but my my brother-in-law, I was diving with at the time, he was there, and he had three sharks swimming around him in a circle. <laughs> and he's what? trying to work out which one to poke to get rid of it. <laughs> which one? What type were they? They were, all, they were whalers. That trip, we only saw whalers. I did a trip, I think it was a couple of months before or the year before, up to the same spot. And we're, di- we're diving, and I had a mate, and he'd never seen a shark in his life. And he, we, we're sitting on the boat, and we're heading out, we're heading out behind the back of the reef at the Abrolhos, the back of Half Moon Reef. And they're like, oh, you know, and Pete's going, I've never seen a shark before. And everyone's like, oh, you know, it's not that much. They're okay. you just got to keep your eye on them. So he's like, oh, okay. And I got, I got separated from a couple of the guys. So I'm swimming along, and I'm looking down. I can see this coral trout in about 15 metres of water sitting on the bottom and I'm like I'm looking at this trout thinking oh do I risk it or not you always dive with someone and because I didn't have anyone with me I didn't take the chance on going down to it and then coming back up blacking out and drowning so I just went I'm still looking at this trout I'm still thinking about it and then I see this big tiger shark swim past it on the bottom oh. and I went I think I'm gonna I think I'm gonna pass up on this trout and I kept swimming trying to find the other guys because they, they were further past me Tigers can get pretty aggressive, can't they? They're 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 one of the top, <laughs> aren't they? Bull sharks, they're, tigers. They're meant, they're meant to be, but they're not. 
one of my mates describes him as the hillbilly of the ocean. He said, it's sort of like a um, an old um, hillbilly with his banjo, just swimming around playing his banjo. He said, that's what a tiger's like. And for the most part, they are. They just cruise and they just investigate. So I noticed the guys had sort of looped back and they were heading to the boat. I caught up with them near the boat. Probably about five, ten metres from the boat and there's, there's him, mate, Pete. He's back. He's laying on his back, kicking with kicking, and his spear gun's pointed straight over him towards me. And I'm just about to put my head up and yell at him about turn the gun away. And I'm looking, and I could just see his eyes, and his eyes were like dinner plates, just this look of terror. And I thought something's wrong. And I turn, and there's this tiger shark about two fin lengths behind me, and she's just cruising. Anyway, I upright in the water and just put the spear behind her eye and push her away from me. Wow. How yeah, big, decent-sized one? She swam down the side of the boat. The boat was 23 feet long, and she measured the boat out and some. Mate, I would have. So that's why I can't do it. I just, I just, I, I might be a big sissy. I admit that, but you know, I, I just couldn't go out. And I, even I remember when I went years ago up to um, Cairns, the Great Barrier Reef, and we, you know, obviously the reef, you only need a couple of meters of water, two, three meters of water, something like that, maybe four meters, very, very, very low. And then he goes, oh, do you, for an extra like thirty or forty dollars, we can just get this little dinghy and we'll go on the edge of the reef. And I said, yeah, it sounds like fun. So me and my friend from the states went on that little trip. It's only like you know a couple of hundred meters from the from the main boat, maybe something like that. And then I jump in the water and you just see the reef; it just just falls off. And I'm like, oh, this looks <laughs> not my. I said, I'm going to stay in the group of twenty people. That way, I'm going to swim in the middle if a shark happens to come. My chances are pretty good. So you know. <laughs> So the um, the old tiger swims down the front of the boat, turns around, and she starts coming back down. And I look over to me right, and there's a there was about a two meter bronze whaler came in and saw this tiger shark, mate, and it just took off. It wasn't even hanging around to see what was happening. By this point, Pete and the other bloke are on the boat, and I'm climbing up the and I'm getting on the boat again. I mean, mates, the other two mates who were off looking at something else, they came back and they said, oh, did anyone see the tiger? She went and visited them 100 metres away as well before she swam away. No so way. You, you see them, I mean, you see them and you've got to respect them. I've mean, got mates that have um, had encounters with great whites and they've got out the water. Unfortunately, not everyone heeds the warning, but oh, there's a great white in an area, stay away from it. And they go there anyway. And unfortunately, one young bloke paid the ultimate price for doing it. They went into the dive. Sh- they went into the shop in the morning. The shop owner said, "Guys, there's been a great white in that area for the last week. I'd stay away. It's fairly close to shore." They said, "Oh no, no, it'll be right. It'll be right." They went there, and one of them got one of them got attacked. Mm. So you know, I mean. It's absolutely an inherited risk. We lost a mate who drowned to a blackout. Um, Is that a common thing you talk about that I've never actually heard about that? What normally happens with that if you what if you go too deep you just black out, do you? No. Nah, what happens is you go down, you you dive you dive down and your your body runs basically if you hold your breath for too long, the body has like a reflex where you gulp. And it's to try and get it saying, I need air. But at that point, at that point, you still got, you still got enough oxygen to survive. So what happens is, is when you, when you're diving, you dive down and your lungs compress. So they actually shrink. But you still got the same amount of oxygen. It's the water, it's the water crushing down on the, um, crushing down your lungs. And what happens is that, is your oxygen's there, but when you're coming up, you get within, say, five or six metres from the from the top and your lungs have sprung back to size, but you've run out of oxygen. And the body's, the body's automatic response is to black out. And you black out. And usually, if no one's there or you're overweighted, you sink back to the bottom and you drown, which mm. is... Doesn't sound good then. To, <laughs> which, is what happened to, which is what happened to our friend. And we're right. sitting, me and my mate, are, we're sitting on the boat and we're going, and we're going, you know, where is he? Because like, we thought he might have come up somewhere else because 
we we climbed out and we're all getting out and he's like, oh, I'll just go back down. He said, I've seen something down there. And he went down and he never came back up. So we're sitting there and we're going, what do we do? What do we do? What do we do? In the end, I made the decision. I said, I'm going to get in the water and have a quick look. And didn't put on a weight belt, just took my spear gun, just in case it was a shark around. Um, and I found him probably 10 metres from the boat in 23 metres of water and he was laying on the bottom. Ah, poor so, bugger. You know, where it is such a dangerous sport. Like you just got to do follow the protocols. Never dive on your own. Well, one person's on the bottom, one's on the surface watching them, and just you take it in turns, and you just nothing's ever worth your life. Like no fish is ever worth going after if it's going to cost you your life. Would you like to advertise on one of the most tech-savvy mediums on the internet? Then why don't you advertise with us on the Australian Hunting Podcast? If you have a product or business that you would like to promote, then we would love to hear from you. Become one of our partner advertisers by calling Jason on 0425 881 967 or email australianhuntingpodcast at gmail.com. Looking for outdoor equipment for your next adventure? At Aussie Outdoor Gear, you can find cooking equipment, camo clothing for kids, backpacks, camo accessories and much more. We cater for your hunting, fishing, camping, hiking and other outdoor pursuits with our unique product range. AussieOutdoorGear.com.au Quality gear at affordable prices. Are you looking to buy a new or used firearm? Do you want to sell that safe queen to fund your next purchase? Then go to OzGunSales.com. We have over 200 registered firearms dealers, Australia-wide, and thousands of shooters using the site daily. There are over 2,500 firearms listed, so you're certain to find exactly what you're looking for. We have over 50 years of firearms industry experience, including eight years online. So why wouldn't you advertise with us? The one and only genuine original Ozguns. Yeah, I don't I just think if I, I mean, obviously I wouldn't want that to happen to me and it's tough when that happens to people. But if I saw a shark, I'd be one of those guys. I don't know how you remain so calm. I watch them. I was just watching, there was one at the Gold Coast, I think, just yesterday with a great white, which is, you know, probably moving through the area because, you know, normally they're not in that sort of, you know, warmer water, I would think. Um, but, mate, and they're so calm. You see the video and they're like not – I'd be like, Ugh! I'd be like blowing bubbles. I'd be like, you know, Jesus walking on water if I saw – probably if I saw one of those little reef sharks, <laughs> I'd be pooing my pants, you know? The best – I mean, with a great white, the best thing you can do if, if you're diving and you see one is swim at it. Nothing ever swims towards a shark, ever. And it confuses them, and they generally will swim away. Yeah, right. What, they're not used to something swimming at it, are they, no? No. Because everything tries to I guess to get why would it? Them. Everything that sees a great white wants to get the hell out of there. You just make yourself as big as you can. You hold your spear gun right out, and you spread your arms and legs out as much as you can and swim towards it. God, you guys have got some kahunas, mate. That's for sure. That's for sure. <laughs> I don't think I, – I could just see myself too. And you know what always freaks me out too? When they get up to the top – and I'm like, get out of the water, get out of the water, watch your legs, watch your legs. Like, I just think that that would be my, probably the worst, not just seeing it, but once I've got to get up out of the boat, and yeah, it could take you how long to get out of the boat quickly, depends on if you have to walk up, you've got to get your flippers off, your legs are in the water, I'm just so scared that it's just going to come up and start chomping on my legs, you know? Look, yeah, I mean... Yeah, you know, that'd be the worst time for me, just bobbing in the water going, oh my God, is it going to grab me, is it going to grab me? I generally, when you're getting out of the water, you get out quick. Um, and if you're, especially if a great white comes in, you don't hang around to see if he's coming back for a second look. Yeah, I know. What do you do when you normally, if you've been close enough and you've got to give them a prod with the end of the uh, spear gun, do they normally, oh, they freak out and normally just sends them away? They usually just cruise away. Um, we, saw the, we saw the other result of it the other day on the news. A young bloke poked a whaler and it turned around and latched on. Yeah. Um, they, they are. I wonder really what you do if it's in full, like it's coming at you and it's going to attack. What do you do? Just shove the spear gun in its face and hope for the best, or what? Well, that's what that's what the young bloke's mate did last year. 
What didn't? It turned around and bit, bit the first guy, and then it turned around and came for him. He just shoved the spear gun in its mouth and pulled the trigger. And what did it do? Did it help? Obviously not. The shark turned away. Mm, mm. Um, and no one's really sure after that fisheries deployed and they went to try and catch it and they couldn't find it. Yeah, right. Uh, interesting, mate. Always always interesting. I see these videos and I just think, God, these guys have got, you know, I don't know if they're crazy or ballsy or a bit of both. <laughs> it's doing what you enjoy and what you love, you know. It's, it's, it's fun. It's just taking, it, it's like hunting but underwater. Yeah, it sounds like a lot of fun. I just don't know if I could get over my uh, nerves. Like I see guys going, you know, diving and stuff, and they dive in those caves and all that. I thought, yeah, that sounds fun, but then they like to do it at night, and I'm like, no way, mate, no way in hell, no way in hell. <laughs> night diving, night diving is great. Oh, no, no way. It's I've not not ever, great I've at all. It's not great. One, <laughs> I've only ever done one night dive, and it was just, it was just mind blowing. Yeah, I'd be just. Terrified with fear. I don't know why. It's just you know my, uh, you know one of my pet, uh, not pet peeves, but one of my that something's going to happen or what's in the water that we don't know about. You know what it's like. But mate, talking about getting moving on to um, you know shooting and stuff like that. Uh, do you do you just hunt? Do you do you rifle? Your target shoot? Do you shoot clays, pistols? What sort of interests you in um, in the shooting arena? Bit of everything, eh? I haven't got into clays yet. Like clays is very, very expensive to get into. Um, obviously, having a family and a young family, you got to sort of spread your spread your money over your family first, and then what's left over goes into my shooting. Pistols, I'm into pistols. I love pistols. Um, I was fortunate enough to get a cheap one in Perth, an old Smith and Wesson Model 19. I was talking to some mates in America, and they're like. My biggest regret in my life is selling my Model 19. He said, you know, you're going to love this gun. And I bought it and just went, you know, it's just cheap. And I got this thing and I started using it. And I was just like, oh, my goodness, this is just, it's just so nice to use. And it just shoots. It shoots accurate. It shoots well. Um, I've made a few little modifications. I had a new set of grips made for it. But, yeah, pistols, bit of rifle shooting, bit of, bit of military stuff. Um. Yeah, muzzle loaders. Got into muzzle loaders for a while. Yeah, just got to. I just when I get some more time after winter, and the firewood slows down, I'll go back. I'll start shooting muzzle loaders again. What's your What's your go to calibers and stuff like that? What do you enjoy shooting? Oh, in what? Oh, you know, just in general. You know, you want to go hunting. Your big game, your small game, or whatever it may be. In all honesty, in all honesty, my go-to, my go-to gun used to be my triple two, mainly because it was the bigger, it was the gun that I had and I had access to all the time. Um, now it's my two to three because I haven't got a scope on the t- triple two at the moment, and I pretty much use the triple two or the two to three for everything. Yeah, I've got a trusty two two three. They're not a bad little uh, bad little rifle, are they? Bad little caliber, no. I should say. <laughs> no, they're not. They're um, they're a great caliber, and they they're so underrated, but for what they are. Yeah, no, they're not too bad at all, mate. What do you do? What's sort of, I'm not sure what industry you're in with your work and stuff like that. But what do you do when you know you tell people, or maybe you're friends with them on Facebook, or you're not, but you have a discussion about you know going away on the weekend. It's Monday morning, and they say, "What do you do on the weekend?" Oh, I went hunting. What's the what do people normally say about that? What's their thoughts, or do they give you do they give you crap, or do they you know supportive, or what do they generally say? I guess uh, look, I guess I'm kind of lucky that most people. I mean, given the town we live in, it's fairly accepted. There's a fairly there's a fairly well known firearm shop in the town. You know, most people, and it's because we're surrounded by fire, it's it really is the central hub for a rural community. And it's just the accepted thing around here that it's just, it happens. People shoot, people fish. But yeah, I mean, I've had some people just have an absolute fit and go, how could you, you know? You know, you're killing innocent animals. Well, no, I'm, we're taking out feral pests. Unfortunately, when you're dealing with, I mean, when you're dealing with someone like that, it's 100% emotion-based and 
0% facts driving it. What about females? I mean, when you met up with females, I know you said your sister is not you know, big on it and stuff. What, what, what's your sister like in regards to the hunting? Is she okay with that or no, that's oh, definitely off the cards as well? Look, they don't mind and they, they accept it, you know, as it is. It's, it's actually interesting. I was a professional shooter for quite a while and my number one offsider was my wife. Speaking of that, I was going to mention that. What about your wife and kids? You're going to get your kids into it. And what did you, obviously, before, I presume you got married or you got with your partner, you, you know, told her, obviously, you, you hunted and stuff like that. What did she say? She was okay with it? Or did she come from a, a rural sort of background? Or She did. Her, dad, her, dad's not a, her dad doesn't really like guns. And like when, we, when we lived there, I had to find somewhere else. I had to store the guns up at my parents' place. Which was okay. Everything on my license is on my dad's license, bar a few new additions I've put on there now. Yeah, she she's been fine with it. And yeah, the kids. I took my daughter to Western Action the other day. How how, how old are your kids anyway? How old are they? Uh, I'm going to think about this now. Seven. Oh, come on, you're supposed two. to be the dad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know, I know, but it gets confusing after a while. Seven, two, and I think Dakota's eight months now. Yeah, good stuff. So what? And she she's okay with it. She doesn't mind the 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 kids, your daughter, or and or the wife. No, they like it. They don't mind. Doesn't mind at all. I mean, I bought I've, I bought my wife a pistol the other week. Well, we've ordered it in. We're just waiting for it to arrive now. Mate, it's always good, isn't it, when you can get the. Uh, I get. I hear different opinions from different people. You know, they say some guys like to go out on their own. They don't want the the missus involved, or they don't mind the kids involved. But if they've got any, but they don't really want the missus. They say it's sort of a, a bloke thing. Whereas other guys, you know, they really love you know taking out their wife or when their girlfriend you know shows interest in you know hunting, shooting, fishing, or the four wheel driving and stuff like that. They just go insane. They love it. <laughs> you know. So I guess it depends on particular person. Do you like getting the the wife involved? Yeah, I do. It's very much come. It's very much been from an early age, like drilled into us with dad, mum, and dad. Mum and dad have been together now. Now I've got to really think about this one. Thirty, thirty odd years or more, and been married. Actually, they've probably been married that long and been together longer than that. So, dad's always been like, when dad thinks about doing something, it's always involved involving mum. He won't go on holidays and not take mum, things like that. And that's that's the moral code that was installed in us, that if you're going to do something, get your partner into it. And, I mean, my wife's not into some things that we, we've got up to and we do. Like, she won't do Western action. You know, I'm not dressing up for that. Fine. I will. My daughter, I took, when I took my daughter, she dressed up for it the other day. And how did she, she enjoy it? Oh, yeah, she loved it. You know, she'd never shot a handgun before. And I find, like, you know, you go to some clubs and you get that mentality where it's just like, oh, nah, your daughter's too young or this. I went there and I said to me, I said to the guy there, who really is, runs the Western Action side of it, I want to bring my daughter. He's like, yeah, mate, yeah, yeah, no worries. And then he, he said, oh, what do you, I said, I want to, she, so she can have a shoot. And Simon's like, oh, use my um, 22 because I was just going to get let her have a shot with a 357. Someone's like, I know I've got the 22 single action. He said, just grab that and use that. So my daughter had a shot and she absolutely loved it. She'd never, she'd never shot a handgun before. No, we'd played with rifles with her a bit. <laughs> no, they certainly enjoy it. What about if you go hunting? Do a lot of people sometimes just go out for feral control? Obviously, foxes, you know, you can't really eat foxes. I've seen people eat foxes before, actually, kind of interesting, but not my cup of tea. But what about other animals, like when you get a deer or you get rabbits, or is it something you not you normally do or not really? Or oh, absolutely, absolutely. I um, I got busted by Dad the other probably it was going back about two months now, I think. Just before winter really set in and Dad turned around and he says, you know, you're a bloody mongrel. He said, you go out shooting, you never bring me any rabbits, you never do anything nice for me. When are you going to bring some in? And I said, oh, you know, we'll, when we go out, we'll get some for you. And we got, oh, what did we get? We got six or eight rabbits that night. And my mate took, my mate took four of them and I took three. So we got seven. Seven that were viable to eat. The others were dodgy shots. We cooked them and they were absolutely fantastic. And we do eat we do eat game meat. We eat room meat as well. So yeah, I don't don't waste anything that you kill. We've eaten wild pigs that we've got before. That was that was a bit interesting. I've never had the wild pig. Oh no, I have had wild boar actually. No, it tasted not bad as well. We went down to Huntfest a couple of about a month or so ago with some goat burgers and geez, they were fantastic. I mean, them goats. You can make some really good stuff out of goats. Any goats over there in WA? 
There is. There is. But like everything in the wild dog population's hammering them. It's kind of disappointing. They don't, they don't do well where we live. And apparently there's a certain bush they eat that kills them. Yeah, no, I don't mind hunting goats. They're a bit of fun as well when you get the opportunity. I've probably got, well, I'm still struggling to get that deer, so I've shot way more goats than I've shot deer. So, But they're fun to shoot. I mean, they get good meat off them. Uh, you know, you try and find a big one, you can certainly have some good fun hunting goats. They're, you know, very fun to hunt. Yeah. I've got a, I've got a couple of deer now. I got a Samba when I was over east last year, and oh, i got the fellow over here. The fellow was really nice. The Samba, the Samba was top eating, absolutely tops. You know, it was just a nice young spiker. I mean, mate said to me, he said, that's the one. He's pointing to it. He said, get that one. If only I could get one. If anyone's listening, take me out. Take me out. And I've actually had, I've, and I actually surprised me, Grandma. I actually had a, just a, a young, young, young guy offer me um, a hunt yesterday. And I said, listen, I said, mate, one day I probably will take it. It's not far from my house. We're about 45 minutes away from my house, maybe an hour. I mean, probably a bit longer, but it's not too bad. And he goes, come, I've seen some you know, big, you know, some nice fellow. And I said, listen, I, said, I probably will take you up on your offer one day, but that first one, I just want to feel like I've earned it, you know. I want to feel like I hunted it. I want to feel like, you know, I didn't have to go somewhere where there's, you know, uh, you know, either a lot of them or, you know, they know exactly where they're going to be feeding at 6 a.m. in the morning and you just shoot one. I want to feel like I got it myself, you know, at least for the first one anyway. <laughs> there is a, there's an area that we go, we go out to. Unfortunately, and I mean, you, you can't hunt national parks in WA, which is absolutely stupid. There is a spot like we drove through the other week that we were going through the bush and my mate said, like the whole road for just a section of road for 50 metres was just covered in footprints and it was deer that were walking through the national park and you can't go in there and hunt them. Yeah, some of the best places, aren't they, are the ones that you can't hunt, unfortunately. Yep. Mate, let's talk so, about – oh, sorry, go on. Yeah, no, I'm listening. No, oh, no, you're all right. I just thought you were finishing something off there. I just want to talk about, you know, getting you sort of towards the end of it, the, you know, sort of uh, political area, which we've you know, been concentrating off uh, a lot, especially since the election. Um, what's your thoughts on firearms ownership at the moment? I mean, I know I see a lot of stuff on Facebook. There seems to be a, a, a little bit of a divided camp in regards to, you know, people. I think most people do want their rights back. I think ones that listen to my show would, would hopefully agree with that. Um, you know, some might not. Um, but this is a little bit of a camp of people that want their rights back and the ones that are sort of happy with the status quo. So, I mean, what do you think now in regards to the 96 laws and what about where we are now? Like, I mean, we've, we seem to be keep on going backwards. We're not making ground. I remember 96. I was only eight at the time. So I, I do remember it. I remember Dad I remember Dad walking in with his pump-action shotgun and Dad was Dad never, Dad never cries, ever. And you could see, you could see the tears that he knew, and he he desperately wanted to save that shotgun. You know, a lot of fond memories, and he handed it in. And dad, dad can be a little bit apathetic. Dad's like, you know, he said something had to be done, but he said, I don't know. He said the extreme that he went to was needed either. He said, but look, I don't, I don't agree with the laws at all. I just think it's just an, it was just an extreme knee-jerk reaction. And like last night when I was discussing this with my sister. She goes, oh, you know, but we we don't want to turn into America. I said, we're nothing like America, you know. I said, our closest, the closest two nations on earth like us is New Zealand and Canada, and they haven't gone to these extremes, and guess what? They haven't had it either. So what she, what's she, what'd she say to that? Oh, not much. And I said, so when are we banning trucks? I said, you know, I said, we've just seen what a truck can do. 83 people, two to three minutes. You know, he did he did better than Martin Bryant did. And that's in that I mean, that's if you want to believe that Martin Bryant did it on his own. I've been to Port Arthur and after being there I don't believe he could have, you know. Always a hot topic, that isn't it? I try, I try and avoid that on my show. When people, not so what you're saying now. I've had some people that have come on and <laughs> said, uh, you know, it's a made major conspiracy. And I'm like, well, I've got really no opinion. I wasn't there, so I don't really know what happened. You know, I don't know whether Martin Bryant did it. If he did, well, he's rotting in prison now down in, um, you know, in Risden Prison down in Tasmania. What I would say to anyone that anyone that's actually interested in it is go to Tasmania and actually go and see the place. You know, and take it on face value for what it is and what it was. It was a it was a penal colony. We we went there on holidays and it was fantastic. Mum and Dad said we've got to get we've, we've got to see Port Arthur. So we went down there and I mean, yeah, the places are there that the that, that it all happened. 
But as an overview and as a place, it was just awesome. But it does show, it shows what people can do to other people. You know, the depth of the depravity of the human nature is there. You know, you've, you've got to see, you've got to go to the old asylum and to the prison and stuff like that and actually see it, to mm. believe it. You're right, mate. What about... I mean, obviously, we just had the election. You can, you don't have to share it if you don't want to, but I always ask everyone the same question. But, I mean, do you vote, and some shooters don't, but uh, do you vote on just when it comes up to election time, either federal, like we just had a couple of weeks ago, or on a state level, do you vote for, do you purely vote on uh, pro-gun stuff, or do you vote on other items that more interest you, like business or, you know, economy, immigration, no, et cetera, et cetera? No, no, I actually, believe it or not, I do. I do vote very pro firearm. My first vote, my first vote went to Shooters and Fishers. I'll, I'll absolutely just come out and say it. it did. I didn't totally follow their preferences on that, on like their how to vote card. I, I changed one or two. I just changed one of them around because it was a party that, it was another party that more aligned with what I believe. And then I just followed their preferences the rest of the way down. You know, you go. I vote on. I vote. On what I believe is right. Yep. Now, speaking right of, of that party, do you think, like, always ask the same questions of, you know, are you, are you happy with their performance, you know, on a, on a federal level? Well, they have, I guess they don't have any representation at this stage, but if they did, obviously, the state, either at a state level, but just in general, are you, are you happy with their performance? If yes, why? If not, why? And what do you think they can do better in the future? Or what have they been doing good, in, in your opinion? There's no doubt that there's no doubt in WA. Like I'm going to, I can only really speak for WA that Rick Mazza has absolutely gone to bat for West Australian shooters. He's constantly trying to get, trying to push things like change 26A and B. And if anyone understands those, it's basically a rifle of military appearance is must must be a military rifle and function like one. Yeah, yeah, it's a common one. The the appearance laws are yeah, what complete yeah. waste of time and space. Yeah, yeah. If it's got a pistol grip, well, gee, it must be it must be scary and and capable of fully automatic fire. You know, just stupid stuff like that. You know, it's just there's no need for it. It's just it's just stupid. So he, I mean, stuff like that. He's try he's trying to. He had a win. He had a win for fishing in WA with fisheries and got some stuff changed, which was great, you know? So, yeah, I mean, look, comments that, like, I mean, unfortunately, the two of the guys from Shooters and Fishers made about semi-autos and that aren't very constructive, but, you know... What was that about? Who, I'm not sure, what was that one about? Oh, they basically said that semi-automatic... Is this, is this WA or is this, is this other... No, this is federal. Oh, okay, so, okay, yep. Or it could be at state level over, over east, but it was... Rob Brown and Rob Borzak said it. And it was just like, well, you know, and people were just like, oh, well, if they're not pushing for our right for semi-autos, we might as well not even bother voting for them. And I was just like, well, I do understand when when they come out and they say, you know, you've got to think about the, you've got to think about your political climate. And, yeah, coming up to an election, the first thing a politician does is get elected. So what do they do? They say what the people want to hear. Malcolm Turnbull just says what the people want to hear. That's what politicians do. They lie to get into power. So, but once they're there, once you're there, you can start changing things. I don't know. I, I really don't know. How do we move forward? Do you think in uh, you know in trying to you know get our rights back and so forth? Um, you know, people say like they always say to me, Graham. They just go, ah, oh, you concealed carry, and <laughs> I just got to laugh and I just scratch my head and I think I've probably spoken at about about four or five times over about six years, and I think people miss the picture. They they talk about. And I, I'm a big uh, fan of self defence with a firearm. I think it's it's you know whatever. You know, options you decide you want to use, whether that's you know a firearm or it's um, pepper spray or whatever it you know whatever specifically it may be in regards to what they want to use, um, you know. But they say, oh, you know, you concealed carry, and you know we're looking like rednecks and stuff like that. And I just say, well, you know, one, I've never said that. I do support that anyway, but that's not the point. But people are missing the gamut. It's not just one particular item. It's not just semi-autos. It's not just pump actions. It's not just concealed carry. It's, it's the whole thing. And this is where all organisations and political parties need to get on board with the cause. I mean, I was just watching a couple of videos again, Graham, just the other day. And, you know, there's, I mean, I know I just watched Graham Park the other day on Sunrise from the Shooters Union up there in Queensland doing a really good job. 
uh, you know, in, in the media and stuff like that. And kudos to Graham for doing a great job. But you know, I look at the NRA videos, man, and I know they've got their own issues as well. But you know, I'm almost there watching some of these YouTube videos and Wayne Lapierre and Chris Cox, who were the main two fellas there. And, you know, and when they'd have a speech, I mean, they're not swearing, they're not getting gung ho, they're not rednecks. But you know, when I finish watching it, I'm literally almost sitting there fist pumping. I'm not really, but I feel like doing that, you know. And because they're motivating me, they're. Mo- I feel like oh, I wish these two guys were over here in our organisations or and or political parties pushing our rights forward because they never give up. They never, you know, and you were talking about uh, the comments in regards to semi-autos. I mean, they're not out there saying what people, you know, what the, what the general public want to hear. They're advocating for their members. They're advocating for uh, the, you know, well, obviously they're not, they're not a political party, but, you know, if they were, they'd be advocating for people. They wouldn't be telling them, no, we don't need this in regards to get elected, but then we're going to push for it. I don't agree with that. I think we should be, you know, not say loud and proud, but, you know, I'm not going to come out. I wouldn't come out and say, listen, yes, in Port Arthur, yes, you want to send me autos back. But if they ask me the question, I would say I would just deviate from the question like we've discussed on previous shows and said, well, you know, again, you know, I, I think real world examples don't prove your cause. And I mean, myself, I've been on 2GB. I spoke to Ben Fordham a couple of, about a month ago and Muzz has been talking a fair bit on two-year weeks. I think he's, he's banned from 2GB. So, um, <laughs> you know, and, and mate, I'm not backwards in coming forwards. If they ever ask me, listen, do, do you agree these firearms should have been banned? No, absolutely not. Real world examples don't back up your statements. That's simple. And they go, oh, what do you mean? I said, well, New Zealand don't have mass shootings. They've got pump shotguns. Ben, all Ben Fordham could do to me was say, oh, what would you prefer, Australian or American gun laws? And he tried to trap me. And if I had my time over, I probably would have said something, actually something different. Uh, definitely would have said something different. Um, I would have said, yeah, America's laws, 100%, no question about it. If we value freedom and value our right to self-defense, then American gun laws. Yeah, absolutely. You know, so that's what I should have said. But you know, again, it's difficult when you you know you're on there at three thirty in the afternoon. You know, and you could have potentially half a million people listening to what you're saying. But the point is, you know, I had my say. I gave him the facts, and he really had nothing. All he had the result was to do was to, you know, basically, you know, use, use sort of shock jock tactics against me to try and you know say something different when I just gave him the facts, and hopefully people heard that and went away and went, oh, yeah, maybe they do have those laws, or you know, like why aren't we talking about other countries? You know, like yeah. like Brazil, Mexico, Honduras, these other countries, you know, that have massive amount of firearms kind. Sometimes up to two, three, even up to including uh, Venezuela, seven times the US. You know, so really, just you know, what are they interested in? What's the what's the hard on? What's the infatuation with the United States? I just don't understand it. You know, don't they care about poor people? And I said, and I'm waiting for them to ask me that question when they say, "Oh, but these are third world countries," and I say, "What poor people's lives don't matter." And they'll be like, oh, I didn't say that. And I said, well, that's what you're saying to me right now. That's what, you know, as if you don't, you don't care. You don't care. All you care about is America. But you're happy to have their phones and their computers and all their technology. And then, you know, it was, it was interesting. Cause I said, spoke to Mario about this when they, you know, but I think it was a, what, before the Oregon shooting, I think it was maybe sometime around there. They, you know, they, <laughs> uh, you see on Facebook, oh, we don't want to be like America. This is ridiculous. And then a week later, which, you know, I couldn't care less about. I've sort of got more libertarian values. You know, they said, oh, yeah, America legalized gay marriage. Oh, we've got to be more like America. America are forward thinkers, you know. And I'm like, shit, that changed around from last week to this week, didn't it? You know, <laughs> One week they're, you know, biggest scumbags going around. Next week they're forward thinkers and they're, they're getting with the times in the future. You know, I just, listen, I don't, I don't care if gays get married at all. Couldn't give two, 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 two cents to rub together. It doesn't bother me. It doesn't affect me. So I don't care. But, you know, some people it does, some people it doesn't. But just goes to show how fickle people can be over from one week to another, you know. <laughs> I got a mate. I got a friend in in America. He's a tax attorney. He lives in Wyoming, and he said Wyoming has the most relaxed gun laws in the whole of America. And he said it has no mass shootings either. You can buy. You can go and buy an Uzi for hunting. Now, I had another mate in the gun club, and he went over to America back in his younger day. And he was telling me, he said, "Oh, he said I went over there, and he said a guy says, oh, you want to come out prairie dog shooting?' He's like, "Yeah." He said, "Oh, he said I wouldn't mind." He's like, oh, "All right, no worries." Now, for people that don't understand prairie dogs, they dig holes and your cattle walk across the land, fall down the hole and break their legs. So he goes, oh, we'll go out there. They go out there and he says, and he says oh, we'll get the gun. So, and he say, and Pete says he pulls out an Uzi and he's looking at him and he goes, what? And he says, yeah, he said, you know. So they go and they get the chairs and he said, and they sit there and he said, mm-hmm. you sit quietly and he said, then um, the prairie dogs stick their heads up and he said, next thing, mate, he said he empties a whole clip over the top of them. 
Wow. And he said, <laughs> well, I thought they normally do long range hunting. You know, they normally sit on another hill and shoot him from you know, three to 400 metres, 150 metres, something like that. Oh, he, he said you can do that, but he said this was, he said it was like he was watering his garden with an Uzi. He said, so he opens the egg, he pulls out a beer, he said, he starts having this beer. 15, he said, by the time you finish the can, he said, they'll all stick their heads up again. He said, you give them another, he said, you give them another spray. This is, I mean, this is how liberal the law is in Wyoming, that you can own, you can own a machine gun, effectively. Well, you can, you can buy a proper machine gun. You've just got to pass the, um, the licensing requirements. Yeah, no, they certainly, you know, certainly have a lot of fun over there compared to uh, what we have over here. Why can't we, I mean, and yeah, I mean, why can't we have these things in Australia? Mm. I just think, you know, is, is it going to get to a point? I'm 35, Graham. How old are you? 28. So we were becoming probably the end of the, you know, last people that are, I mean, I spoke to some shooters and I say this all the time and I spoke to a couple of shooters again at the SHOT Show. Do you, you know two of them? I spoke about Port Arthur. No idea what I was even talking about. No idea. I said the mass shooting, 35 dead. Um, you can see their eyes just glazing over. I had no idea what I was talking about. And I just feel if we get another 10 to 15 years into the future, you know, we're sort of 50 years of age, you know, and we haven't made any real you know, gains on getting some of our rights back, these young kids aren't just, they're not going to know about it. They're not going to know they're, to want to fight what we used to have. You know, that's, that's the pit part that sort of, you know, starting to... I want to see shooters. I want to see shooters stand up and start pushing for their rights. But how, do you, how do you do that when, you know, you've got ones out there that are actively campaigning against people like, not just me, obviously, but people like me. There's a lot of other firearms owners pages on Facebook. You've got Aussie Reviews. You've got, you know, Firearms Owners United. I just did an interview with him a couple of weeks ago, James Buckle. I mean, these guys all want to get their rights back. They're all on board with the same thing. Um, yet you've got other pages and other magazines and you know, publications putting out, like, we shouldn't, you know, we shouldn't be having these things, basically, and registration's fantastic. Yeah, you know, I don't know. I mean, they just need to stop being apathetic, you know. Go, oh, you know, but it doesn't affect me. Who cares if it affects you or not? Campaign for it. You know, you might not want to shoot handguns, but push for the right to use handguns for hunting. Push to get your high-powered handguns back. You know, why can't I go to the club? Why can't I go to the pistol club and shoot paper with a forty-four Magnum, but I can go and stand and shoot Western Action with the same gun? Yeah, mate, makes no sense. I mean, somehow, you know, barrel with what, whatever the minimum, I can't even remember what the minimum legal length is compared to, say, like, you know, Glock 19, which is subcompact. Somehow it's more uh, it's more dangerous having, like, you know, whatever the reduced barrel length is. Apparently it's less concealable. Okay, <laughs> that makes sense. Um, mate, we've got a five questions in under a minute. Are you going to take the challenge? We normally do that here on the show. It's, uh, you ready yep. to go? Three, two, yep. one. All right. Best thing about being a hunter and shooter, what is it and why? Being outdoors all the time. Right. F- the favourite aspect of hunting, what is it and why? Oh, I don't know. Um, just the thrill, just getting out, being out of the house. I don't sit around the house well, so yeah. Yeah, favourite species of all time to hunt, what is it and why? Deer. Nice work. Deer. If you could hunt anywhere in the world, where would it be and why? Africa, without a doubt. Which species? Um, that was a supplementary oh, question. Honestly, <laughs> elephant, maybe. No, yeah. not really elephant. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, um, look, I want to get the planes game, but really the top of my list is a giraffe. But really? Okay, favourite firearm you own of all time. What is it and why? Bruno Fox model triple two, but it'll probably change to my 375 Holland and Holland when I get it. Oh, no. One minute. 0.85 of a second. Oh. Mate, you're 0.85 of a second out. That's a failure, unfortunately. <laughs> no, mate, that's all right. We're just a bit of fun here on the show, mate. Tell us, mate, to finish off, uh, a story. We always love a story here. Some people are better telling stories than others, um, so that's why I always say time of day, you know, summer, winter, morning, night, afternoon. We want to feel like we're there. I want to be living this story, Graham, so... We'll tell you the we'll tell you the pig hunting story. The one the story that you hear that you never get to see. Me and a mate are out. We've been hunting. We left early in the morning, so we left just for, uh, around about eight o'clock, and we got out. It was about midday. It wasn't a warm day. It was only a few weeks ago, so it was about twelve degrees. 
Anyway, we're driving down the track on the property and then my mate's like, look, look, look. And we're sort of coming down a hill and up another hill and there's a pig walking across the track and the dog's sitting on the back. I mean, mate just slightly turns the vehicle so the dog couldn't see it and we drive down there and next thing we get to about where this pig was and the dog leaps off the ute. And she runs in the bush and you hear, and you start to hear, you can hear the tussling in the bush. Anyway... I said, mate, I said, that's close. And he's, and he's looking at the tracker and he said, yeah, she's only 20 metres in the bush and we get there. And the pup's standing there and the pup's barking. Anyway, my mate reaches down and grabs his pig by the back leg. And I said to my mate, I said, hang on. He said, I can hear something else. I said, I think there's another one close by. He's just about to look up and go, oh, no shit. And next thing, this black, pig, this black sow comes charging out the bush and starts smashing into the dog. And we're standing there and we're looking and she was only about a metre from me and she's and she's hit this dog in the side, looks up, notices the pup there bailing and just like, uh-oh, and takes off and the dog and the pup runs in and the pup pulls her up. So we got two pigs in the one jump. Were they a good size? Were they a good size or? One was 20 kilos and the other one was about 40. Yeah, it's always interesting. The, I always wanted to go chasing pigs. I mean, you know, where it depends on whether you decide to shoot them when they're bailing them up or you, what do you do, stick them or you use a, a gun or what do you use? You do use a knife. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't, I'd, I'd give it a go. I'm not sure if I'd like it, but I'd, I'd give it a go. I'd definitely give it a go. Why not? But, mate, it's lots of fun. Get your fit. Yeah. yeah. Hey, chase them. <laughs> Jeez, I need to lose a few kilos, that's for sure. So probably help me get fit anyway. <laughs> Um, mate, any, any, any final advice, anything you'd like to say prior to, you know, the, to, prior to finishing off? People just need to get more active, start writing letters, you know, just be more proactive, even if you don't, even if it doesn't affect you directly, so whether it's an Adler or a semi-auto, you never have any intention of buying one. Campaigns for people's rights to have it. You're 100% right. Graham Evans joins me here on the Australian Hunting Podcast as part of the Everyday Hunter series. Graham, thanks for your time. Really appreciate it. No worries, mate. Anytime. You've been listening to an episode of the Australian Hunting Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. See you next time.